We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Blue Wire. What is up, Nets fans? Welcome to Brooklyn Buzz. I'm Nick Faye. With me, regular guest on the show, Justin Thomas. And Justin, the Nets cooked the Sixers tonight, 129-100. Justin gets a much-needed win for his Brooklyn Buzz career record. We'll take all those losses just so we could see tonight because this win was awesome. Justin, how are we feeling? We smoking on that Sixers pack. We smoking on that Harden pack. We smoking on that Embiid pack. What it do, baby? Brooklyn in the house. It was it was great. I mean, this was everything you could have asked for. The Nets just cooked them. This game was over by midway through the third. So many different narratives in this one. We're going to jump at that and plenty more. But make sure you check the buzz on all streaming platforms. But Justin, biggest thing that sticks out to you right after the win. You know, this is a, a 29-point win over the Sixers. Obviously, all the drama. Ben Simmons was on the bench. James Harden played against the Nets. Joel Embiid was talking smack. It didn't matter. I think the biggest thing to think about, right, is the Nets solidified or, you know, made people remember, this is the most dangerous team in the NBA. Like, I know we talk about the whole when they get healthy, yada, 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 if Ben plays, blah, 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 right? But we see now, and we saw before, we've seen it in spurts, when Katie and Kyrie share the floor, there is no better duo in the in the entire NBA. I don't, like, I don't, you know, you can throw out Embiid and Harden, you can throw out Steph and Clay. you can throw out Giannis and Middleton, I don't care. This is the best duo, they showed it tonight from the jump. I think they had what, the, I think there was like combined like 20 of the Nets, whatever points yeah. in the first, and in they the had first like quarter. And miss with that. <laughs> yeah, like Katie started off 5 of 5 and you're just like, alright, well yeah, like if Kevin Durant is on, there's nobody on the planet that's a better basketball player than him. And I yeah. think that's what really stood out to me from this win is that yes, the Nets solidified or recertified that they are, when healthy and when Katie and Kyrie are locked in, the most dangerous team in the NBA. Yeah, this was a reminder that they can be anybody on any given night with those two because those guys can lock in and score and you just can't stop them. And then when you do, they're able to find the guys that, you know, score for them. You know, Seth Curry able to capitalize on a lot of easy opportunities tonight. Bruce Brown was, again, great. Andre Drummond had some good moments in this game. Just overall, like, really happy with the performance. And when you see your leaders in Kyrie and Katie come out with that level of, like, locked in, like that mentality they had to start this one, the urgency, and they weren't scared, they were confident. And the Sixers, on the other hand, kind of felt rattled. 
And like the fact is that they're stars, you know, Embiid came to play. James Harden didn't. And the fact is like Kyrie and Katie just gave that level of confidence to the whole team. They were just playing with a different type of energy that Philly didn't have. Yeah. And but these guys are bred for this, right? They yep. they live for this moment. Kyrie and Katie live for big games. They came in advertising this game. It was a playoff atmosphere, right? You yep. had it was a sellout crowd, like, you know, standing room only type type deal, extra security. Um, four thousand dollar tickets four four thousand dollar tickets and they showed up and showed out you could tell from like you said from the jump they were locked in you could just you know you can like tell in like certain guys eyes like yep. damn like he's not playing around you could you could really see that in Kyrie Katie kind of always has that mentality but Kyrie from the jump in that first quarter after his first few jump shots and I think after his and one you're like oh shit damn like Kyrie he didn't smile the whole quarter. <laughs> did not, did not smile the whole quarter. And it's like, damn, Kyrie might go for like maybe 40 or 50 again tonight. Obviously, he didn't, but the Nets didn't really need him to. And I thought defensively, Kyrie was locked in. Like, uh, that was an interesting choice to start the game. You know, everyone thought it was going to be Bruce, just given Bruce's success in the past. I, I would assume Kyrie wanted that assignment. I also like Bruce and his ability to kind of help and play, you know, Tyrese Maxey as well. He essentially eliminated Maxey from this game. But like you said, you know, just the mentality, the energy, and all of that combined. And with this kind of reminded me of game two against the Bucks last year. Like, this was a similar vibe to how the game started, and the Nets never looked back. And they kept their foot on the pedal. Like, even in that Hornets game that they recently won, like, the Hornets were able to get it under 20. The Sixers never had a chance in this game. Like, Embiid played to the end of the third, but this game was over midway through. Yeah, you know, it, I'm just, like, like you said, just shades of uh, game two. I'm even thinking back way further early in the season, right? The first two games of the season, that the season opener against the uh, Warriors and then yep, the yep. Christmas Day game against the Celtics yep. where Katie and Kyrie just locked in. And you're like, damn, like this really is one of the b greatest duos we've seen, at least in recent memory. Um, it, it, it was just fantastic all around from the Nets. I think outside of them reasserting like they are – the team to be the defense. You know, we yeah. talked about this before, you know, before hopping on the pod. This was probably the best defensive game the Nets have played, at least in recent memory over the past maybe decade. I mean, the way they were just blowing up dribble handoffs, especially Bruce Brown, uh, Seth Curry tonight, five steals, 14 bl team blocks, right? James Johnson had five blocks on his own, right? Um, I know James Johnson prays, so I'm scared because now he's going to bullshit the next game. But I, I got to take the wins when I can get them. This was just a hands down, just from the jump, a perfect game of basketball from the Brooklyn Nets. Yeah, I mean, defensively, let's touch on that a bit, because like you said, you know, 15 blocks, 13 steals, the level of engagement. And also, I thought the game plan from Steve Nash in this game was solid. It was pretty good. And that's something we haven't typically said a lot, especially in these big matchups. But, you know, MB did get his, but a lot of it was at the free throw line. He didn't shoot well in this game. He finished, what, five of 17 from the field. So credit the Nets for kind of crowding him and also just let Matisse, uh, Matisse Eibel beat you. You know, they were just kind of leaving him open out there. They left Tobias Harris open out there a couple times, too. He was able to hit a few. But overall, I thought the way they were able to set up defensively and put Harden in and beat in tough situations. And also, I think the fact that the Nets knew what Harden was trying to do. There was a couple times where they were able to jump the pass. There was a couple times where just keep your hands up, let him drive. He's trying to draw a foul. He's not even trying to shoot the ball. You know, he wasn't getting the calls in this game. So credit them. And also a lot of late double teams, knowing that Harden wants to drag out the shot clock. You can't make as any passes when it's under five seconds. So I was really happy on that end of the floor. And I think, you know, again, the Sixers shot terribly in this game. But again, the Nets made an impact on them to play the way that they did. Yeah, no, I thought 
the Nets double teaming this game was fantastic. It was it was superb. And you know, the rotations even, to follow the yes. double teams. Yeah, I mean, even you even heard it. Um, I don't know if you caught it. The mic'd up because Bruce Brown was. It was either Bruce Brown or Steve Nash was mic'd up. I forget. But they went to uh, the audio Steve, assistant. Yep. Yeah, and then he's telling Bruce like, "Yo, when you go double, that's it's it's your call, right? Yep. If you think he's gonna, you know, dribble into the paint, go. If not, just stay at home." But he was being aggressive, so Bruce was coming. Same thing with Harden. You saw him trap. Uh, he got trapped in the corner. It should have been a travel. Yep. Uh, it ended up being a, a three. Yeah, he traveled like ten times on one yeah. possession. That shit was crazy. Um, it was like but, he was dancing out there. <laughs> yeah, right. But even like like you said, just knowing what James Harden's tendencies, there was one play in particular um, in the second quarter I'm watching with my brother. And I'm like, yo, James is the soccer got to like six seconds. I'm like, yo, he's going to do a step back three here. Watch. Yep. He comes around the screen four seconds, dribble, dribble, step back. And I'm like, see, I told you, I told you yeah. right. Because you just know you, certain players have certain tendencies. And this is the tendency that James has. And when you've played with James, you practice with James all the time. You know what he's going to do. And then when you don't have that release valve of a knockdown three-point shooter on the floor, then it makes your job a lot easier on defense. Yeah, 100%. I thought the Nets did a great job of helping off the right guys. And like you talked about having the reps against Harden. You know who had the reps against Harden that paid off was Nick Claxton. Nick Claxton locked him up multiple times, blocked his shot, just had the clamps out there. Clax came to play in this one. And also James Johnson, I think. James Johnson had a couple comments during the whole Harden saga when he was still a net. And I could tell he definitely felt some type of way. I'm sure multiple nets felt some type of way. And that added to the level of energy and urgency in this game. And also Joel Embiid hasn't been a net favorite either. Yeah, I'm not a big fan of Joel. You know, it was funny. I actually was I when I was at Temple, I used to be a huge fan of Joel Embiid because I kind of liked his like kind of assholeness. Yeah. Like, um, you know, the, he's, he was kind of an asshole. He just didn't care about anybody else. You know, call me the the process, Joel, the process and beat. I was like, all right, that's kind of funny. And then after he elbowed uh, Jared Allen in the face, I'm like, yeah, no, f- this guy. Uh, but but <laughs> but, yeah, no, I think the Nets definitely had a came out here with a point to prove, Um, you know, it was like, oh, like you want to the, the grass isn't always green on the other side, James. Yep. Um, If only we'd have waited, maybe we could have made this thing work. Uh, But, hey, you've made your bed. You got to lie in it. Exactly. And I think, you know, like I said, guys were locked in, specifically Kyrie with his defense. Like he hasn't played a level of defense like that in a long time. He was picking up full court in this game at different points. Like he just he just wanted to make James's life difficult. And like you said, it was kind of like you could have had this. You could have waited. This was here for you. You know, obviously things are coming to fruition with potentially the mandate changing. We saw a promising video between Sean Marks and Kyrie Irving. Not sure what that meant, but hopefully something really, really good. But I guess jumping into some of the player recaps, starting with Kevin Durant, 25 points, 10 of 17 from the field, three of six from three, two of three from the free throw line, 14 rebounds, seven assists, two steals, one block, five turnovers. I feel like when Katie's rebounding, you know, it's a serious game. I want to say, I didn't even realize he had uh, 14. I mean, I only needed him to get five for my prop, and I saw he hit And that's that been tough to get half. lately. <laughs> it's been tough, right? I remember we talked about it on the last pod. I think they took one of his rebounds away, yeah. right? Um, but no, it's, it, it's great. When Kevin Durant has a complete game, and it's not just scoring, or it's not just scoring and facilitating, um, it's great. Uh, yep. Seven assists, like you said, the, the, the two steals. He was also an irritant, at least in the paint. Um, you know, I, I thought there was a few fouls that not to say he didn't need, but they just wrong place, wrong time, especially the one with the, the, uh, the Embiid one. I thought they, the refs definitely gave that to Embiid, the one with Harden when he came down the middle, but overall, you know, what's really scary though. This didn't even feel like a dominant Kevin Durant game. That's what, that's what makes it even scarier. 25 and 14 and 25, 14 and seven. You're like, damn, that's a, that's a great game. And you're, and I'm sitting here like, 
honestly, he probably could have gone for like 35, 36. Like, because yeah. we see it, we've seen him do it. And the way that he was playing, I think easily almost just like his shot was so on. He was hitting tough shots and like what we said, five of five to start the game and multiple shots hardly touched the rim. So when he's playing this overall style of basketball and impacting in so many ways, I think this is the best for the Nets. Like obviously some nights are going to need him to drop 40 or 50, even potentially in the playoffs. But when he's able to be an overall impact, I think it helps alleviate some of the pressure in other areas and makes up for the, some of the deficiencies like KD's length is huge and his ability to help and recover is something that not many nets can do. And like you said, he was able to, I think, annoy Joel Embiid a couple times and also his contests are crazy, especially against guard. Like one times he couldn't test it on Tyrese Maxi, and like Maxi hit the front of the rim. Obviously Maxi had a terrible night, but you forget how long he is and his ability to just lock in on that end of the floor. And, you know, 82 game season, it's not going to happen every night, but in the big moments, you know what you can get. Yeah, and then I think that's what the underrated part of the Ben Simmons trade is going to be that you're yep. going to have at at any given time, right? Either KD, a combination of KD, Clax, or Simmons on the floor, and you talk about switchability. You know, we yep. talked about this on, on on previous pods, but the fact that Kevin Durant is an all defensive caliber guy, then you add in a depoy candidate in Ben Simmons, and then when when he's on and when his motor is on and when he's not yep. gasping for air. Nick Claxon, who played phenomenal this game, we'll yeah. get to him later. Defensively, the Nets are just as stout as any team. At least in the at least that front line, you know, question marks maybe around Drummond and Aldridge, but at least their wing defense, and then you throw in Bruce Brown there as well. Their wing defense is maybe second to none. Yeah, I mean, I think. I, I don't want to take a shot at him because he's injured, but they just play differently when LaMarcus isn't out there. They're just so much more mobile with Nick Claxton, even Drummond to an extent, like in a matchup like this, he's more motivated and it's kind of easier to just kind of for him to hang around and beat. He did switch out a couple of times. So it'll be interesting how the nets move forward. And obviously LaMarcus has been a huge part of what they've done all season, but I think you can see the difference defensively and offensively. He just might not be necessary given the way guys are playing. We mentioned, you know, KD scored 25. You got Seth scoring 24, Kyrie scoring 22, 11 from Bruce, 10 from Patty, just balanced scoring across the board. So definitely something to think about when the rotation is fully healthy. But let's talk Nick Claxton, because I really love the way Clax played. Like you said, you know, finished the game with nine points, four or five from the field, one or three from the free throw line, eight rebounds, two assists, one steal, three blocks. He was locked in from the start. He he was great, you know, when Drummond goes down with uh, at the same time, you know, yep. his third foul and he rolls his ankle a bit. Claxton comes in and my first thought is like, oh, damn, they're just going to throw it into Embiid every time he's going to outmuscle him. He's going to dunk on him. But Claxton, give him his props. He held his own tonight uh, battling with Embiid, made made his life hard. Yeah, Embiid did get to the free throw line. But for what Nick Claxton did on the defensive end, you couldn't have asked for anything better, honestly. And it just gives you way more confidence in him. Now we have to see this more on a consistent basis, obviously, yep. but you know, being able to throw Claxton out there just for a few minutes, just to be an irritant, even if it's just to, you know, be somebody to pick up fouls on, on Embiid, it got to get, it has to give you some type of promise going into potential playoff matchups. Yeah. I even look at it as like a change of pace, you know, think to the NFL where you have, you know, the power running back, you have the speed running back. Like this is a power defensive guy in Andre Drummond. Then you put a speed guy like Claxton was able to beat and beat to the spot a lot of times and did a great job of not fouling a lot of situations and just making him work. And then when he did get in the paint, the help defense was great. So Clax did everything he could potentially do against a Joel Embiid. And like you said, when Drummond went down, there was definitely some nerves like, damn, they're just going to pin Claxton under the rim every single time. You know, Embiid might shoot 40 free throws tonight. And, you know, Clax really, really did a good job. And I thought even in 
the previous matchup, the two matchups ago when it was KD and the rookies versus the the Sixers, I thought Claxton had some good reps against Joel Embiid in that matchup as well. And offensively, I think he's starting to find his niche. He's having more of an impact, I think, on the boards than he was previously. Just realizing like, hey, I'm going to have to do some dirty work, especially with my contract coming up this offseason. Like, I need to prove I can impact on the court in multiple ways. And he's doing that. And, you know, hopefully he's back in the rotation because he adds a different element, not only defensively, but just like some pop to the team. Like, he just can make those highlight plays. Like, that one steal where he was denying the ball, like, Mm -hmm. there's a handful of guys that can do that. He's just so long and moves so well for his size. Yeah, that was, I believe that was the one where he's, he got the he poked it away and then he ended up getting the end one at the yep. uh, other end. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's like, like, like I said, you don't have a lot of not every team can boast that they have three guys with that type of switchability. Um, what I was really impressed with, at least on the offensive end from from him was in the second quarter, his his use yeah. in the short roll um, to I think I don't know if they were consecutive possessions, but it, they came within like a, a two minute span where he gets the ball in the short roll and then just confidently goes up with the with the you know little scoop layup. And I'm like. Thank you, because for a long time, he gets in the short roll and he looks like a deer in the headlights. He doesn't know whether to pass it, whether to dribble it. Like, he looks confused. Tonight, he looked very, very confident, even going up against Joel Embiid in the post. And we know, you know, how menacing Joel could be. You know, he's a defensive player of the year candidate in his own right. And very, he's a very giant cool. human. He's just a giant human, right? Yeah. So, <laughs> you know, it's very, very promising seeing what uh, Claxon did in that short roll tonight. And just, just like you said, his activity on the boards and – just bringing energy. That's, that's yeah. a, you know, sometimes that's all you really need in a game like this where, every, you know, the stars are doing their star things. You need your role guys to keep the energy up. And he definitely did that. Yeah. And those role reps, he saw James Harden. He saw barbecue chicken. Like he just looked <laughs> confident. Like, like, like I said, I make, I made the joke on Twitter, but it was really like practice reps for him. Like he, you know, we know that they trained together in the summer and he just saw him there. And I love the fact that Harden has one thing. He's probably stronger than Nick Claxton. Claxton did a great job of kind of just using his speed and quickness to almost get to the side, use his length, and just lay it in. He just looked confident out there, and hopefully this is a building block. And we know for Clax is like if he can stay on the court and build up these games, that's when he becomes great. But then, you know, typically he gets hurt. Hopefully that doesn't happen, knock on wood here. But if he can get some level of consistency in the rotation and, you know, stay healthy, he can be a really impact player for this team. But moving on, Bruce Brown, another guy I thought was great defensively in this one. And just overall, Bruce has been awesome since the James Harden trade. 11 points, 5-9 and nine from the field, 0-1 from 3, 1-2 from the free throw line, 2 rebounds, 1 steal, 1 turnover, plus 16. This is a game where it felt like his production did not match his impact because he was just that energizer bunny defensively, especially with a lot of those rotations. And it just, oh man, this has been great. Is it, is it the, is it the, the, the the James Harden trade or is it the DeAndre Bembry releasing like you know <laughs> I, both I, for both I mean it's just been a different Bruce Brown since you know February 10th February 11th whatever it was um no like you said he he, he was fantastic tonight I mean he had I think 10 points and I'm like wait he doesn't have any rebounds he doesn't have any steals he doesn't have any assists like what but he just was doing everything he was yep. everywhere and everywhere on the court at the same time it was kind of like the Charlotte game um from earlier this week it was it, it was it was great, man. And I don't I don't know if this is sustainable or not. Hopefully it is. Um, but for what it's worth, Bruce is just playing out of his mind right now. And like like, like I alluded to earlier when talking about the defense, blowing up all the dribble uh, dribble handoffs, uh, getting into Harden's chest when he was matched up on him. Uh, he he just did everything right tonight, and especially getting out in transition. I mean, we I know yeah. you talked about like how you know, with Ben Simmons here, it's going to, it's going to improve the transition with, with Ky- even with Kyrie coming back. Right. It improves transition. Bruce got out there and transition. And I, 
I don't know if you saw in that what was it that that third quarter when he had that nice little jelly roll layup yeah, yeah. over around Joel Embiid. I'm like, what? This is crazy. His finishing package has like gone up. If this was like 2K, it probably went from like a C to like a A minus. I'm telling you, <laughs> over All Star break, he went and bought VC. I'm telling you, he he boosted that finishing bag. Relentless finisher. He saved it all from the whole season. He was just like, I'm not improving anything until the, until the all-star break. But really, he's just like his finishing has been different. And I think that's going to be a confidence boost for him. I think when Ben Simmons is healthy, he'll probably take his spot in the starting lineup. But that'll put Bruce against bench players. And he's just going to cook because he also does a great job of just capitalizing on the defense sleeping. Like he'll take the ball in transition and just push the pace. He might not get a layup, but he'll set the team up for a good offensive possession. And like you said, defensively in this one, the fact is that Tyrese Maxey had such a bad game and Bruce was the guy that was helping on Joel a lot in this one says a lot about the way that Bruce Brown can play defense and recover. Yeah, I mean, like 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 I said earlier in terms of like the the, the double teaming, he he was he yep. was great in that, you know, and Tyrese Maxey in his own right has been absolutely hooping. Yeah. The last I think maybe 2 or 3 weeks he's he's been phenomenal especially since the you know the addition of James Harden so for 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 Bruce to lock him up the way he did uh it's just it's just a credit to Bruce Brown and, and what we know right this is like yep. the kind of defense he was playing in October November and December you know before he kind of like teetered off so these are these are all encouraging signs like you said Ben will probably replace him in the starting lineup uh I would like to know who do you think what star do you think he plays best with either KD Kyrie or do you think it's he's best with both of them yeah, I mean, I think he, now he can find his niche with either guy. I think those guys are just such great shot makers that it works out. But I think, you know, either one is almost fine at this point. I can't really say that I feel like he's so much better next to one guy because they both have a good feel for getting a, a pick from Bruce and then hitting him on the short roll. I guess I'd lean towards KD because it's an easier pass for him to make, you know, on the pick and roll in that situation, just given, you know, Kyrie shorter. If they're going to double him, they can kind of crowd him or KD can just kind of drop it over the top. But I, I like the way that they're developing chemistry on the court with him. But I also wanted to point out, like, Katie and Andre Drummond, I feel like, are starting to develop a nice little pick-and-roll chemistry. We saw them connect a couple times. And he's just a big target. Like, he, it's hard to miss. You know what I mean? Like, he's wide. He takes up space in the paint. Does a great job of sealing off bodies. You know, tonight finished with seven points. Two of four from the field. Three of six from the free throw line. Seven rebounds. Two assists. Three blocks from Drummond. Did have three fouls, but they all came in the first quarter and was able to kind of keep himself on the court. Yeah, you know what? That's what's kind of scary because Drummond is a big guy. And for that first quarter, Joel Embiid was just bowling him over yeah. like he was, you know, a bowling pin. So, but he still had in some possessions. He did. He did hold his own. I'm pretty sure he, he got made him work a little bit. He did. I'm pretty sure he got a block against Embiid at some point in this game, too. Um, and all, that's all you can really ask for. Right. Embiid is, yeah. you know, one of those ones, you know, one of the, he's, he's a top five player in the league right now. Um, so he's going to get his regardless. All you can really do is ask Drummond to, you know, don't let him go off for 40. Which he pretty he pretty much did, and if and if Joel is going to go to the line every single time, then fine. I'd rather yeah. Joel and B just you know earn it at the free throw line than to just get easy dunk and easy layup and easy you know the the turnaround ten footer that he takes. So overall, I thought it was good for Drummond. Um, he's another one that you could probably see, and he, we even saw it in the, the Milwaukee Bucks matchup, right against yep. Giannis, just another big body. So he's definitely playing a big role. I like the chemistry, like you said, with the you know with with KD. Um, it's interesting to see. In terms of Aldridge, right? Like when Aldridge yeah. comes back, how does Drummond's role change? Do you think that Aldridge was more so for the help of Harden? Then now that Harden is gone, his role is kind of like, you know, you don't really know what to do with Aldridge. Yeah, I think 
the fact is that you have two of the best scorers now healthy. You know, obviously we'll see what happens with Kyrie playing at home, but they provide enough offense. And then, you know, a lot of the other great players are, you know, Seth Curry, a great offensive player, Patty Mills, an offensive player. You look down the line, you don't necessarily need LaMarcus's offense as much as you needed before. Now you can kind of create a lot of things yourself. And Drummond provides you something a little bit different, especially when you're going if it's like a drop center like Joel Embiid. His ability for the dribble handoff, like he just is so big out there that he opens up space for Kyrie, KD, whoever it is. So I'm intrigued to see how LaMarcus's role changes, given how the Nets have the pieces they've added, who's out there, and also his biggest efficiency being defense and mobility. <sighs> Yeah, I also think, you know, with the he's also a lobster as well. It's something that LaMarcus can't really do. I don't remember the last time yeah. LaMarcus got a it looks, dunk. It makes me scared when he, like, <laughs> goes up for a lob attempt. It's, like, almost better when he, like, does one of those, like, half lob attempts and lays it in, like a like a tip when you're young. Yeah. Like, <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah, but we'll see. I mean, I think that's going to be an interesting thing for Steve Nash. And, obviously, LaMarcus is Katie's boy. He did come back to be on this team, but you do have to do what's best. And, obviously, this is one matchup, and I'm sure there'll be matchups where LaMarcus can hopefully excel as well. But We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis, not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. Moving on from Drummond, Seth Curry popped off. Best game as a net, 24 points, 10 of 14 from the field, 4 of 8 from 3, 1 rebound, 2 assists, 5 steals, 1 block, 2 turnovers, 1 foul. Did this all in 28 minutes. People forgot this was a revenge game for him, too. This was the best game that Seth Curry has played in his short Brooklyn Nets tenure, and it yeah. couldn't have come at a better time. 
in front of a hostile Sixers crowd in front of his father-in-law had just <laughs> traded him um, a month to basically to the day ago. And oh my gosh, how sweet was that one three in the third quarter where he just mm. turns around and stares down the bench. Yep. Oh my gosh, that was great. He's a low key shit talker. I've noticed that with him. Like he's definitely like willing to talk trash, especially the when whole family from... is. Yeah. I don't know why everybody says like, oh, they're the baby faces. They're so nice. No, they are some big time trash talkers. Yeah, yeah no baby stuff around here. Like they're <laughs> playing no games, and he was ready for the moment. And you know, we talked about I think before we hopped on, he did a great job working some of those pick and roll possessions, knowing that the Sixers were so dedicated to stopping Katie and Kyrie. You know, Tyrese Maxey bit on the pump fake, two easy elbow jumpers for an elite shooter like Seth. And also, he blew up a lot of dribble handoffs. You know, he was able to get steals that way. And he also read the passing lanes. I thought defensively, this was probably his best game. And also, the best that he's looked next to Kyrie and KD. This is the role where he looked comfortable, where in some of those other matchups, you can tell he was pressing, wasn't really sure when to shoot. I felt like also he did a great job of finding the right spots on the floor to get hit for those open threes. Yeah, I mean Reggie Miller alluded to it in the uh, in in the broadcast. Like this is the perfect role for yep. Seth Curry. Doesn't have to worry about playmaking. Doesn't have to worry about facilitating. Doesn't have to worry about dribbling. Just yo, come down, come off the screen, catch the ball, shoot it, or if not, catch the ball, pump fake, dribble, shoot. Like it's literally. And if you get lost, give it to KD. Right? Yeah. Like it was like this. This you. This is the role that Seth is here for. I mean, it's almost like Patty Mills on steroids, right? Yeah. Which is crazy considering like what Patty Mills had been for the Nets this, uh, you know, this year. But she's this. This this was great. You know, Seth Curry, like, like you said, twenty seven minutes, four of eight from three. Um, you know, and he was just in his spots, right? It was either the yep. corner or the wing. Like I don't, I don't remember admitting anything from the top of the key. And even his two pointers were under control, right? Short yep. mid ranges, and he also had that, you know, the a few layups in transition. So. He took Niang to the rim once, too. He was like, yeah, I've done mm-hmm. this in practice before. <laughs> I want to say, like, he probably hooped against all these guys before and took them to the to, to the cleaners in, in, in shoot-around. So it, it, it was nice to see. But on defense, it, it was almost like he knew where those passes were going, right? It's almost like there was a big, like, X button in front of, like, yeah. a receiver. And he was like, oh, it's going there. Jumping yep. the passing lane. Like, spidey senses, right? Yeah. It was, like I said, this was one of the most complete games defensively for the Nets all around. And Seth was definitely, if he wasn't the best defender out there, he was definitely a top three defender for Brooklyn tonight. Yeah, and he just turned it up. And a lot. it's not like he's blessed athletically or he's, you know, a huge human or anything like that. He just played with a ton of effort, made the smart reads. And even on a couple of his shot attempts, I feel like he looked around and was like, yeah, like, why am I so open? <laughs> like, I have never experienced this, but that's that's the luxury of playing next to Katie and Kyrie and also having, you know, other good players on the court. And I thought Goran honestly found some guys well in this game too but moving to Kyrie who was also awesome in this one 22 points 8 of 17 from the field 5 11 from 3 1 and 2 from the free throw line 4 rebounds 5 assists 1 steal 2 blocks for Kyrie and 1 turnover all in 30 minutes he balled out this was one of his most complete games of the season from a two-way perspective oh absolutely you know I have a stat here in that first half you know he was the primary defender on James Harden a lot he held James Harden to one of seven shooting as the primary <laughs> defender in that first half. Um, when you talk about locked in defensively, that's what he he was in his chest the entire time. This this felt personal, right? Like yeah. you can tell he didn't even you, make eye contact with him either. D- didn't even make you you know that you know it's been it's been thrown out there that a, a, a lot of James Harden's you know grief with the Nets had been because of Kyrie's part time yep. status, and Kyrie went out there and was like, "Yo, mf'er." <laughs> I, I'm I'm a hooper, and I'm gonna let you yeah. know just how good of a hooper I am. 
um, on both ends, like you said, on both ends of the court. Um, there were times where he, I wanted them on the first play of the game to just draw Harden out, but yeah. they, they did at, at certain points. Harden was on an island with Kyrie. I'm pretty sure Kyrie cashed a three in his face yeah, at some point in that first half. Yep. So, it, like, <laughs> I don't know what else you 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 can say about Kyrie. I mean, yeah, his 50 points was great against the Hornets, but you could argue that this was a better game for Kyrie Irving, given the circumstances and everything that happened in it. It was hard. This game was harder. The 50 points, not to say it was easy, because scoring 50 is always hard, but the Hornets obviously are not a great team. Mm. Today, I think just defensively, I was impressed. I was also impressed with some of the full-court press that he brought and just, like, his ability to take the contact from Harden. Like, he was willing to be physical with him, fighting over screens, just a lot of good stuff from Kyrie. And then offensively, you know, still hot from three, which is always good, because he didn't, he hasn't really been super hot since he's come back. You know, he's the, obviously the 50-point game, he was crazy, 9-12, and then tonight, 5-11. I think before that game, he was only shooting 33% from three this season. So getting these two to these big games from three kind of heat him up a little bit before the postseason. It's going to be good. Also, I love the fact that he was one of the Nets when Joel Embiid, I think, picked up his third foul. He went at him at the rim and scored two layups, like knowing that he couldn't really do much. Yeah, no, and, and that's just basketball savvy, right? You yep. know, it, it's a guy that, that that he's not just a scorer, he's a basketball savant, and he knows, all right, the big man's got three fouls, we got to push the pressure, because obviously Embiid, knowing, and especially in that game, Embiid knowing that he has to stay on the floor because yep. he's the only offense for the Sixers, he can't be as aggressive, you know, protecting the rim, so, you know, kudos to Kyrie for that. It's, I don't know how much more you can, like, really say about Kyrie and, like, what he does. Now, obviously... You know, the mandate situation is what it is. You know, hopefully, like you said, you know, we saw that video pregame, you know, things are being thrown around that Knicks game on Sunday. That's might the be, rumor. That's the rumor, right? <laughs> Rumors. But, um, you know, it, for for this next team, it's, it's imperative for Kyrie. And I mean, it's they talked about it on the pregame. I know Charles Barkley was like, yo, like what he's doing, like, is so impressive because he take he's off for like, what, four or five days yep. sometimes comes back. And it's almost like he's he hasn't missed a beat. Right. Like he looks like he's been in midseason form since he's gotten back. and He's only played, what, like 21 games, if that. So it's crazy. I mean, like you said, it's just like he's so prepared and out there. And obviously he does have the advantage of fresh legs. But the fact is his rhythm is still there, which is crazy is because he's probably one of the most rhythm based players in the NBA. Like not to say that you can knock him off rhythm easy, but just the way that he plays, it's very smooth and in just, you know, handles the basketball footwork. Everything's just on point. So. It's incredible, and you just love to see him building it up, and you love to see just KD and Kyrie have that success because you can see the relationship that those two have. And every time one of them has a big play, the first one to pick him up is, you know, the other one. Yeah, I mean, we saw it in that the KD's and one against Joel Embiid. Yeah, um, that, when that, he makes, that was he, disgusting. I don't yeah. know how we didn't bring that up because that that was probably <laughs> one of my KD plays of the season. Right. You know, it's it was the you know nice kind of like you know back to the basket scoop corkscrew layup uh but there was Kyrie first one there you know to give him that high five and you can hear the crowd booing and stuff like that and it just it energized him I think these guys lived the fact that they were playing the villain tonight um Kyrie especially like he's he's quiet right like Katie's barking at the crowd like it was even after Katie's first like that dunk when he came down the lane hit him with a crazy in and out move came down dunk and he just yelled at the crowd Kyrie you know, he'll, he'll hit you with something crazy, get the N1, and then he'll just walk to the line like, yeah, okay, I do this every day. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, it really was. I, I don't know if you saw, people were saying Katie threw the slam down, and then he was staring at Shams. Uh, Wait, like, what? <laughs> yeah, because there's a screenshot, and that's, like, who's directly there. So I found that a little intriguing. Obviously, 
I'm not sure how all that works. We know Shams is gets along with the players. Typically, maybe he released something that Katie didn't like, but there definitely was a stare there. Don't know <laughs> if it was his direction, but getting back to that play, I feel like Katie has certain moves where he keeps them in his bag and just for like a big moment. Like last year when he hit the game tying three in game seven over uh, a Drew Holiday or was it PJ Tucker, one of the two, where it was just like, the fade, like the way that he went into that, that's just not something he typically does. And then tonight against Joel Embiid, like that was just something he was saving because there's no way to defend that shot without fouling. Like the way that he put himself in that position and Joel was barking at him throughout the game, obviously. He called him soft after he tried to take the charge on him. So that just gave me everything I needed from this game. And I feel like it was a, a perfect explanation point of like, yeah, this is what happened. He, you know, it's funny. Katie kind of reminds me of this character in this anime, uh, Kuruko's Basketball. Um, his name is uh, Daiki Almany, and he just he lives for having strong competition, right? Like, that mm-hmm. is his goal. Like, yo, I want to play against really, really strong guys to see how they match up against me. And that's, that's Kevin, Kevin Durant. Durant. That's Kevin Durant, right? Like, it was so cool seeing him just barking at Embiid because obviously the respect factor is there. Right. Like Katie has talked about how Embiid is one of the best players in the league and Embiid has shared that same sentiment. But when they go back and forth, it just drives Kevin to a different level. And you can see it tonight. You you, you'd see it even just, you know, bringing Joel out for, for an isolation like he wants to attack the other team's best player and show him that, yes, I am the baddest man on the planet. And you just love to have guys like that on your team, guys that want the moment, guys that want to step up and they want to compete at the highest level. You know, maybe I'm taking a shot at somebody on the other team, but he didn't show up tonight, and that's James Harden. And, you know, you can count on Kyrie and KD to play, and also you can count on KD to take the questions after the game if he doesn't show up or doesn't play well. I think that's just something that you respect about him as a fan and other players in this league. But moving on from him, Patty Mills, we kind of mentioned a little bit, finished this game with 10 points, 4-6 on the field, 2-4 of four from 3, 2 steals, 1 assist. He did come in, though, in that first half, and I think he hit, like, one tough contested uh, jumper, and then he hit a three. And that's, like, all you really need from Patty. Just keep the scoring going to help us maintain this lead. Yeah, that, that he is. he's a booster, right? Yep. He's no longer needed to be the guy that, that he doesn't have to carry. <laughs> he doesn't have to carry, right? And obviously we saw it through his slump. Like, the load was just getting too much for him. Tonight, like, comes in, 21 minutes. Like, when was the last time Patty Mills played less than 25 minutes in a game, right? Yep. Um, and it was it was great to see that most of his minutes came during garbage time when it didn't even need him. Um, yeah. Like you said, he did have a few tough buckets in that in that first half to help, you know, keep the league growing. Uh, but this is what you want. Right. You know, maybe Seth Curry is the guy that that takes on a, mo- a more promising role, you know, a bigger role. Let's let's Patty Mills kind of come back and then you. Oh, shit. Who is, is that? Patty Mills coming off the bench. Oh, my God. Yeah. When did he get four threes? You know, so, you know, good, good game for Patty. All things considered. Um I think this is just, you know, the start of something new and it's going to be great. Yeah. And I think it's also just like the nice luxury. Oh, you know, Seth might be having an off night. We have another, you know, elite three point shooter that, hey, maybe Patty's going to go seven of nine or what do you do in the first game of the season? Like nine and nine from three, just have some of these crazy games. And he's capable of doing that. And like you said, in the shorter burst and the smaller role, more energized, he's just a different guy. And I feel like he's able to be a little bit more pesky, a little bit more annoying defensively because he's undersized, but his rotations are crispier. I think there was one play where he saved somebody's ass and he was able to foul DeAndre Jordan under the rim. It's just like making those heady plays defensively and just being locked in. And that's not something you could say about him two weeks ago just because he was physically and mentally drained. And I think that's one of the underlying things about being tired, right? We talk about, oh, his legs aren't under him when he takes those jump shots and things like that. But also defensively, right? Yeah. When you're tired, you just can't give as much effort on defense. because Especially talk about, when you're already undersized. Exactly, right? Because defense, we know 85 90% effort. 
if you're already exerting so much effort on the offensive end, you're going to have nothing for defense. So, you know, Patty with less minutes now, he's going to get more rest. It's, it's going to be good for him. Like you said, a pesky defender. He's going to be most likely matched up against other teams, backup guards, things like that. So the match, so the, so the, it won't be too hard on him. Yeah. And, you know, if you can get him 21 minutes a night, that, that, that's, that's perfect with two threes. If you, you lock in Patty Mills, 20 minutes, two or three threes a night, you know, maybe a, an assist and a steal here. You'll take that every single time. Yeah, he's perfect in the six-man role. You get 10 points off the bench, you're happy with that. Some nights it might be 15, you know what I mean? He's just that type of guy. And moving on to the other backup guard, uh, Goran Dragic finished this game with three points, one of six from the field, one of four from three, uh, two rebounds, seven assists, one steal. You know, Goran's shot definitely wasn't on. I think he wasn't able to really get in the paint, but it's still nice just having a traditional point guard who can set guys up. Seven assists is not bad for 22 minutes. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I'm not looking too much into, like, the uh, the shot chart. I know he had, like, two that were just hoist at the end of shot yeah. clocks, so I really kind of don't take that away from him. He did have a nice, you know, three-pointer that, you know, kind of quelled, you know, a little bit of a mini Sixers run. But seven assists, man, that that that's impressive. I was looking at some of his prop totals before the game. I'm like, they only they set him at two and a half. I'm like, this feels kind of low. Yeah, I think and, he had seven assists in the last game, too. Yeah, and what's funny is that he hit, three assists within like his first two or three minutes coming off the bench. Like he's, but like we said, this, this was the perfect buyout market pickup for the Nets because now you have a legitimate backup point guard that has been there, done that knows his role is not going to play outside of himself, knows yep. who to get the ball to knows when the shot clock's running down, can run the offense at, you can't ask for anything better than Goran, than what Goran Dragic did tonight. Yeah, and it's just enough to alleviate the pressure off Kyrie and Katie for having to not set themselves up. You know, uh, Katie can come off a pin down. You know, Kyrie can come off of something. You know what I mean? It's just having that no pressure to bring the ball up the court and just another smart basketball player with experience out there. And he's a guy that you feel okay playing against starters sometimes. And I think defensively, he's probably been not as bad as I anticipated. You know, I was concerned, especially with the age, not playing all season, but he's done enough to be a little bit physical, fight through some screens, you know, create a little bit of contact here and there. He's feisty. And also, man, he he's he's not scared of anything because he took a charge on Joel Embiid. Like, that that was wild. Bruh. Oh, my gosh. When he took that charge, I'm like, all right, well, well he's dead. So <laughs> we need to call the ambulance. And he just popped. He popped right back up. So now I need to know, is, he, is, is that enough to get him an application for the uh, BCB? Um, I didn't see any hard hats out there tonight, but I guess guys were too focused on enough a, a different job, right? Yeah. But like you said, he hasn't been a turnstile on defense, and that's all you ask, right? You just give your effort, right? Yeah. Obviously, we know that not everybody can be a Pat Bev or you know a Marcus Smart, you know guys like that. But just 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 give effort because half the time or three quarters of the time, it's gonna pay off, right? There's some guys that are just too gifted on on offense that are just gonna do whatever they want, right? Yeah. But if you can make their life tough. Go for it, especially against backups, which is what he's going to be going up against. You know, maybe he'll be against some starting guards every once in a while. But for what he's done, the job, you know, the job he's been doing for the past, you know, two or three weeks, it's been good. Yeah. And I've been uh, intrigued a little bit, too, is because he's been playing, you know, a decent amount of minutes with Kyrie on the floor, like in Kyrie in the games. I know a lot of the thought was uh, that he was just mostly going to play when Kyrie was out. But he's seen a fair chunk of minutes. It's 22 in this one. I think he played like. 25 or 28 in the last one so he's definitely added a nice little playmaking touch to this team getting on to james johnson finished with 16 points six of seven from the field three of three from three one of one from the free throw line four rebounds three assists and five blocks that has to be a career high for james johnson he was just out there locked in uh making plays and playing well 
Damn it. You make me get yeah. See, it's just like last time. You're gonna make me praise James Johnson and watch what he's gonna do in the next game. Watch. Um, no, this was this this was a really good game for hey, James. It was worth the win, right? It was worth the win. It's worth the win. I'll, I'll I'll take it. Um, worth you know worth it. 16 points, like you said, five blocks. I mean, I didn't realize he had five blocks. To be honest, I I knew he had like maybe two or three because he had a, he had a fair deal in help. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of net, I think a lot of the Nets blocks did come from, you know, help rotations, like coming yep. guys coming over the back and things like that. But look, he played within himself. 22 minutes, you know, we're getting back. We're getting down to the sweet spot of maybe 17, 18. But, <laughs> you know, he definitely didn't do typical James Johnson stuff tonight, which was which, which was impressive. He had a nice, you know, dunk down the lane in that first half as well. So. And I mean, his defense, it was one possession on James Harden where he just put him in Rikers. Yeah. I mean, I I don't know if that was the one where they ended up trapping Harden in the corner, but he had quite a few impressive defensive possessions tonight. Yeah, I think the thing with James Johnson, we talked about this before, is like sometimes he just athletically just like does not have the juice. I don't know if it's his diet or just age or whatever it is. It feels like some games he can move because I think we talked about it. it was like the Raptors game where he had like three dunks and he had like one where his head was like up and like some nights you watch him play and he's getting rejected by the rim so i mean you really don't know what you're getting with james johnson but we'll take these good games especially in the short burst and like i think there was moments in here where he provided that extra level of toughness and he's a guy that like people don't want to mess with and i think like i said before he was pissed at james harden he let him know on the court i think three of those blocks probably came against harden No, I love it. You know, it's uh, the the guy that does our uh, YouTube videos and that's Republic, Sever the Bond. You know, I always joke with him about like, yo, why don't you ever slander uh, James Johnson in your videos? And he was like, oh, I have a rule. I don't I don't talk trash, you know, to anybody that has neck tattoos. And I was like, <laughs> I respect it. But also at the same time, he's trash. Um, <laughs> not tonight, though. Um, so I can't I, I can't really make that joke. But yeah, like you said, he, he he was he was doing a number on James Harden tonight. I mean, everybody that matched up against Harden, you know, did well. I mean, aside from like what two or three step back threes that Harden had, he really couldn't do anything. Even with him trying to draw fouls at the rim, you know, guys knew that they know they've been playing with, they played with him. They play against him in practice. They know he's going to try not to score, but to just throw his body into you. And I think they did, you know, Johnson along with everybody else did a fantastic job of uh, not falling for the old okie doke and the foul baiting. Yeah. And I mean, for a season that has not been great for Steve Nash and the coaching staff, including games that we complained about last week, this was a nice bounce back performance and just being ready and prepared. Hey, we're going to eliminate your two best players. We're going to make it really difficult for them to be successful tonight. Find another way to beat us. Doc Rivers didn't have the answer. The other Sixers didn't step up. So credit the Nets, credit the coaching staff following the game plan. And also the Nets were just scorching hot offensively. 56% from the field, 45% from three, 51 rebounds, 29 assists. And like we said before, 13 steals, 15 blocks. They just filled up the stat sheet in a different way. This is just... From a production standpoint on the box score, it it's impressive. Yeah, uh, you know, you talk about getting off, you know, to early and hot starts. I mean, you couldn't have started better for the Nets in that first half. They shoot sixty four percent while holding the Sixers to twenty seven percent. I know they were, I think they were eleven of twenty from three point range in that first half. Uh, what else? What else do I got? I got a lot of stuff written down. Um, what's what's interesting? I know I talked we, we we talked about it prior to coming on here. Was the Sixers had shot eighteen more free throws? Then the Brooklyn Nets in that first half, and yet the Nets still took a what was it a a twenty one point lead, twenty yep. two point lead into the half. I don't I don't know if I've ever seen that where a team could just have that much of a dominance on the free in the free throw margin, it's that big of a discrepancy, and be losing by that big a total. 
right? To put it in perspective, Joel Embiid had more free throw attempts in the first quarter than the Nets did in the entire first half, which was seven. So what he finished (laughs) in like uh, finishing the game and beat had more free throws in the entire Nets team. Like he had 19 for the game. The Nets finished with 17. And I think the Nets also were winning the uh, paint points in the paint battle, like early in this game. I don't know what it finished with in terms of like, you know, garbage time and all that. So it's not like they weren't getting in there. They weren't necessarily getting calls. Obviously, Joel Embiid gets a pretty nice whistle, but I mean, you're just really happy that you're able to dominate a team and you're not necessarily getting the benefit of the doubt on every whistle either. So I think that's like a building block. And also just something that sticks out to me is the Nets attempted 43s. Like I remember watching this team, you know, early in the season, mostly during the 21 portion of it, there was games they were not even getting up 23s. There was games where they couldn't even hit 10 threes. They hit 18 threes tonight from 45% from the field. Generating threes in this current NBA is a huge thing. And they have good shooters now and they're able to space the floor. It's just something they couldn't do before. And that's what makes this offense so deadly, right? Because you have two of the best mid-range shooters in Katie and Kyrie. You throw in another one with LaMarcus Aldridge when he's out there, right? And then if he's getting minutes, Cam Thomas as well. But these guys can make threes as well. Maybe not Cam. Maybe not Cam. But <laughs> but you have Kyrie that can go off from three, like we saw tonight, like we saw in Charlotte, right? I think, what what is this, uh, 14 threes total made over his last two games? Insane. Yep. Kevin Durant can get you for three. He had three tonight, right? You have Seth Curry that can go off for four, five, six threes. Patty Mills can go off for four, five, six threes. Dare I say James Johnson can make a three. He had three tonight, <laughs> right? So you have one three from James Johnson or one from Bruce Brown. You're pretty happy. What what was the what was the line that that Kanye said? One good girl is worth a thousand, uh, you know, oh, words. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, bitches. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. You know, one James Johnson three is worth a thousand threes. <laughs> <laughs> it really is. I mean, it feels like a backbreaker for uh, the other team as well. And just like not only do they have so many great shooters, but those shooters allow Kyrie and Katie to have space to operate because now if you're helping oh shit, like now I just gave up a wide open three to Seth Curry, who's top five all time in career three point percentage. Oh yeah. Like they had Patty Mills coming off the bench too. Oh, it's like, there's just too many options to really contain. And that's even with having some non-spacious on the floor. I was a little concerned when they were doubling and then Clax and Bruce were both on the floor, but those guys did a great job of either working the short roll or just finding ways to be impactful and also setting off ball screen. So literally just Everything was great for the Nets tonight. There's not really a player I can complain about. Obviously, I think there was a couple of miscommunications defensively where they probably could have been better and maybe not foul Joel Embiid as much. But overall, this is as close as a perfect game as you can play in the NBA. Yeah, I mean, you held, I think the Sixers came into the night, into the night uh, top 10 in offensive rating or something like that. Yep. Uh, you held them to 100 points even, right? And basically... Yeah, I mean, you gave up 30 points in the fourth quarter. Obviously, that's not good, but it was guard. The game was over by then. It's yeah. garbage time. Nobody's really playing defense. It's pickup at the YMCA. Um, like you said, can't really nitpick too much about the defense. Uh, it, it is, you know, like going back to like the whole spacing thing. It, it's cool having superstars that don't need spacing, right? Like there's yep. there's they're spacing busters. Um, you know, you have Kevin Durant, he can shoot over literally anybody, which we saw tonight. Kyrie Irving can do the exact same thing. So even if it's a crowded paint, crowd you know everybody's hunked in it doesn't matter because they're just going to shoot the ball and they're going to score um that also takes alleviates some of the pressure off of the role players right yeah. because now there's no pressure for them to always have to make threes when it's passing them because all right if they don't miss if they don't miss it they know they're going to get the ball right back right it's not a loss of confidence or anything like that so 
that, that, that that's definitely one of the encouraging things about having guys that don't need the spacing. Yeah. And also, I think a promising trend for this team is, you know, 29 assists tonight. And I think it was around the same number against the Hornets as well. Ball movement is key when you have this many offensive weapons. You're allowing guys to be utilized and forcing the defense to defend all five players where it felt like at different times, you know, especially in that heat game, the ball movement wasn't there. There's a lot of isolation stuff. Guys weren't necessarily in great position to succeed. I feel like now you're starting to see the ball movement, but you're also starting to see the rhythm and the player movement to the right spots. Yeah, people forget that just because guys are gifted scorers, right, that they just they're just ball hogs, ball stoppers, et cetera, et cetera. Like, no, like these guys are smart. You know, they know, like, all right, I'm going to get mine. And when the double team comes, because you know what's coming, all right, I'm going to find the open guy. Or I'm going to, before the double comes, I'm going to use the gravity that I have to create open shots for somebody else, right? So, you know, for example, if, if the ball is being swung around, a defender may overreact to Kyrie on the wing, thus yep. leaving Seth Curry open in the corner. Or everybody goes with, you know, KD on the pick and roll, and it leads to Bruce Brown as the ball handler getting an open look at the rim. So, yeah. These guys affect the play, you know, even though they're scoring and doing all these other things, like you said, the 29 assists tonight, they have the superstars have a big hand in that just because they're doing the brunt of the scoring doesn't mean they're also not, you know, contributing to the assists that are being, you know, tallied up. What do you think in terms of like the team is starting to develop maybe cohesion and chemistry, given that now they've had a couple of games together and they're starting to get a feel for each other where this is really a new group like they haven't necessarily seen time together, you know, with Kyrie and Katie both out there. And then the new additions of Seth, Andre and uh, Goran and then, you know, Ben, when he does come. But do you think that that's had an impact on the the last two matchups for the Nets? Oh, definitely. You know, with more repetitions comes more chemistry. I mean, sometimes I think chemistry is a little bit. Oh, we overblow it. Sometimes because like these guys are like they're, they're the best athletes on the planet. They they've been playing they're professionals. Ball. They're professionals, right? They're they're great at what they do. I think sometimes you don't really need that chemistry. Obviously, there's little things. I know I talked about it. And I think in the heat game where Seth didn't get the ball to KD initially on one of like the I think it was like in the high post or something like that. Um, but it's just the trust, right? Building yep. that trust, um, knowing a guy's going to be there on rotation, knowing a guy doesn't need the help on defense. He can stick with his man. Um, knowing, yo, just give me the ball in the post. I- I'm going to do yep. my thing. Don't worry about the guy, the defender on my back. So I think it's like little things like that that you're seeing get cleaned up. Um, and it's going to be interesting to see how that works with Ben when Ben finally gets ingratiated into the lineup. Yep. Um, but like I said, you know, with great talent, sometimes you just don't need the chemistry. It's just, all right, roll the balls out there and let them play. Yeah, I mean, I think some of that is true. But then, like you said, some of it's just getting more comfortable and making that play one second sooner instead of Mm -hmm. hesitating, you know, in that situation. I think even for Seth, like I mentioned before, I think he looked more comfortable tonight just kind of pulling the trigger. And I'm sure that has something to do with encouragement from his teammates or things along those lines. So the Nets are trending in the right direction. And like we said to start this show, this was a reminder of what they can do and why they're so dangerous and why no one really wants to see them. And not to say that they're a lock to win the championship or anything like that, but the potential is still there for this team. And when they get Ben back, which seems like it could happen next week, things are really, really trending up. What are your thoughts on what to expect from this team over the next couple of games? And maybe when do you see Ben Simmons? See, the sad thing about this is I don't really know what to expect because we've seen... <laughs> We as as net fans, we're used to just like, all right, we think something's gonna happen and then boom, left turn, right? Yep. Something happens. So I can't really say anything definitively. But if everything goes the right way for the Nets, I see them ending the season very, very strong. Um, they don't have that too hard of a strength of schedule. Yep. So it's there's a there's a lot of chance to pick up some easy wins. There's an easy win coming or an you got easy the win Knicks should be and you got the, the Knicks. Magic. Yeah. 
Uh, I know there's going to be a tough matchup against the Mavericks um, in the coming weeks. So that, that should be another test for the Nets because um, the Mavericks and Luke are playing phenomenal basketball since January. So I, I'm interested to see like what the cohesion. I just want to see what Ben looks like on the floor, right? Yep. How he works within this offense. I want to see him in some dribble handoffs with Seth. I want to see him with some pick and rolls with KD and Kyrie. Like, I don't know. I can't expect anything. I just, I need to see it first. Like I can put it into 2K, run a simulation yep. and see it, but that doesn't do it any justice, right? Like I need to see, and then the lineups on defense, right? Like who is he being matched up with? How, what's the switching going to be like? What's Are they going to put him in drop, which I probably, I don't know if they will or not, but I don't know. The sky's the limit. I'm excited. As you can tell, because I'm talking really, really fast. Um, <laughs> so it's, it's, I don't know what to expect, but I just know it's going to be something fun. Yeah, it'd be awesome if he could play against Orlando on Tuesday and then have a matchup against Luca on Wednesday. Or, you know, if they don't do that, then you got some other good matchups coming up down the road as well. But like you said, on paper, it looks like it could be a perfect fit and he could be, you know, a, an essentially a better version of Bruce Brown because he can do everything Bruce can do and probably more and at a higher level. And obviously he has more versatility given his size and his athletic ability. So I'm excited to see what happens. This is this brought some level of excitement. Yeah, it was cool to blow out the Hornets in a game that really mattered and Kyrie to drop 50, but to go into Philadelphia against your ex-girlfriend and James Harden, blow them out by 29 points, and not even give them a chance in this game, it says a lot. And I think it says a lot about the mentality of the team and also their ability to flip a switch. Like, I know a lot of people question that over the last couple of weeks. I probably did myself, but this was an example that they have that ability to turn things up to a new level. And that's that that kind of goes into the frustration, right, of the season yep. where it's like we don't need you to, to pick and choose when to turn. How the little switch. do you guys care about the regular season? Because like right? at this point, I'm convinced <laughs> that you guys don't care at all because I just watched you cook a, a really good team in the Sixers. Yeah, no, I, th I think it's just a case of, all right, as long as we get in yeah. to the playoffs, we know what we got to do. Now, obviously, there's some there's, you know, there's some hurdles, right? I think there's still four and a half out of that six spot, which guarantees them. Yeah, uh, I'm not being in the play-ins, uh, but as it stands right now, the Cavaliers aren't in the best of shapes. I know they just lost Jared Allen for an yep. indefinite amount of time. They're kind of slipping in the standings. Uh, Toronto isn't playing their best brand of basketball right now. And they have a really tough stretch coming. Yeah. Um, so, look, the, the switch, hopefully this these last few games have flipped the switch for the rest of the regular season. Hopefully, because they see that, yo, we, we may be in the play-in, we may have to maybe play either one or two games without Kyrie. Um, you know, this this is something that we need to just get in the playoffs for. But I'm glad yeah. that, that they know that the switch is there. And they I know I'm glad that they know that they can flip it. I just want it to be flipped. Instead of doing on and off, I just want it to, I need to be on. We don't have to pay for electricity here. All right. Just leave it on. The lights will go off on their own, you know, automatic dimmer. Yeah, I hopefully that's the case, though. Hopefully that's the light maintains and they play at this high level. And obviously it's a lot more fun to win games and lose games. And also, I think it brings a level of confidence too to the role players in a lot of these different situations, just knowing that they have these guys behind them that can do all of this to kind of help them play at a higher level. But Justin, anything else from this game you want to touch on? I mean... It almost all feels like a blur, not to cut you it off. Does. It's like because it, <laughs> there, there was a lot of anticipation in this game. And like, I'll definitely rewatch this one because sometimes when there's like a level of excitement and emotion, you don't necessarily follow things as clearly. But it was just a lot of good, fun stuff for the net side. 
Oh no, de- like I, I'm definitely gonna have to rewatch this because usually in the game you can kind of pick out like, oh, we're, we've been running like this set or we're okay. we're doing this action. I didn't see any of that tonight, and obviously the Nets did run some actions and some sets and shit, shit like that. But I was just so focused on yo, the Nets are in the zone right now. This is glorious. Um, I've been talking a ton of crap on Twitter. <laughs> I will continue to keep talking crap. All this this hour that we've been on the podcast has been an hour away from me talking crap. Um, <laughs> He's got to catch up. You got. I, I got. I got to catch up. There's, it's been. It's been joyous. This has probably been one of the most fun nights. You know, watching Nets basketball. Um, I, I think maybe the only thing that only one that really rivals this would probably be the Knicks game with uh, Cam Thomas's game winner. But even then, like the, the the stakes were way higher in this one, right? Yeah. Um, you get somebody back that did you did you wrong. You know, it de- depends on how you feel in the Harden situation. Obviously as Nets fans, you're not going to like him. And I know people complain, but guess what? Sports are irrational. No one likes James Harden from Brooklyn. He didn't eat a leave on the nicest of terms. And obviously you saw that with the communication he didn't have between any of the players or the coaches or whatever it was after the game. So that just adds a level of, satisfaction like yeah you didn't want to be here well guess what we don't need you anyways and we just cooked your new team and we didn't even use our best player that we received in the trade you know ben simmons didn't even play in this one you just got played by the second best player in the trade in seth curry so yeah we're gonna be happy about it oh man and it it it, 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 it it's even better because it's at the expense of philadelphia fans yep. and and all the antics that you saw the fans doing like heck even their media members and i'm not like yeah. i don't like calling out actually i do like calling out media members um I thought that it was not to say unprofessional, but it just it was cringe, right? Like yeah. you had, uh, I think, it was Howard Eskin in the, the the tunnels when the Nets came in for shoot around, you know, kind of being like TMZ. I think Blake Griffin even yeah. called him out on that, um, you know. Trying well, and then to also egg- the way they were trying to portray Ben Simmons as yeah. being like weak in different situations where he looked happy and fine and comfortable, and he, he was dribbling a basketball every every, <laughs> every single video. It looked like he was dribbling a basketball, and then like yeah. the one with um the guy from NBC Philly where he's like, oh. Uh, Simmons is 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 sneaking into the the bus or something like that. I'm like he's just walking like yeah. you could see other Nets players literally behind him like I they tried to I I know the hate is strong and then like they have every reason to you know hate on Simmons whatever I'm not going to tell him how to hate but at the same time it's like yo this feels so much better because of all the hate and you you heard in the third quarter they were boo- the boos went from booing Simmons to booing the Sixers play on the court you were booing the superstar that is supposed to be your savior yep. you know that it just was the icing on the cake. I mean, you can't ask for more than that. Like you going into this game, Sixers fans are probably thinking, oh, we're going to blow the Nets out by 20. We're going to boo Ben Simmons. This is going to be the best night of our Sixer life. Well, guess what? It was the complete opposite. And like you said, the boos went from Ben Simmons to the actual Sixers players and Joel Embiid and James Harden for getting blown out in their home court in the way that they did. I mean, if I was a Sixers fan, I'd be livid tonight. I'd be pissed. I thought we were a championship team. And we just got cooked by the Nets. They're not even fully in rhythm. They don't have Ben Simmons. And you guys didn't show up in any way. Yeah, I think it was, and I know I tweeted this out. It just felt like Sixers fans, like just Sixers in general, they felt more amped up for the return of Ben Simmons yeah. than the actual game. I think the fans came in here like, oh, yeah, we're going to go boo Ben Simmons. Oh, yeah, there's a basketball game as well. Um that's just kind of what it felt like. I didn't yep. think that the Sixers fans had that type of juice that they normally do for big games in Philly. I've been to games like that before in Philly. They're they're crazy, you know. Like they, yep. it's, it's a great atmosphere to to watch basketball in. But you know, credit the Nets for taking the crowd out of the game immediately, not giving them any life. I know it. I tweeted out at the beginning of the third quarter, like the first four or five minutes are the most important, right? Nets yep. are up twenty. You can't let them cut the lead to like you know thirteen or twelve. We let them get in it. The Nets did. 
Um, well, they, I, should, I should say they, they didn't allow that. And so all, all, all around, it was just spectacular from, from start to finish. I can't wait to see the talk shows tomorrow, how they frame this. Um, and I'm just, I'm excited to see this, this team fully on the court. Yeah. And I, hopefully this is a big building block for a great finish to the season. And, you know, arguably maybe the best postseason run in Nets history that leads to a championship. We can look back at this game as being something crucial to that point. Just a quick note, Jack and I did drop a new shirt, Aussie Brothers, supporting Patty Mills and Ben Simmons. Also, some of the proceeds are going to be donated to Healing Our Way, an Australian uh, donation. Make sure you check that out. You can find that in the bio or on our Twitter pages. Justin, always a pleasure. Big thanks, everybody, for listening. Check the buzz on all streaming platforms. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.